Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Three terrorists play the blame game. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, today I have three interesting stories for you. Once upon a time, there were three terrorists. <laughs> and um, they each blamed something other than themselves for their terrorist acts. So it's kind of like the television show. Remember the old television show to tell the truth where one person um, was telling the truth about what kind of work he did and the other two were imposters. So the, in this case, all three of them are, are real terrorists, um, but they're trying to, uh, to deny that. So the first story I'm going to tell you about is a man who blamed his imaginary dog for his terrorist act. That's a new one, right? Then the second story is about a boy who blamed his stepfather for bringing him to the Middle East and making him do a video threatening President Trump. The third story is a man who blamed his belly fat for his need to be released early from prison. So they're all three terrorists. And at the end, I'm gonna ask you to think about which one who you think may have the best chance of being de-radicalized. You know, in other words, just how hardened are they as terrorists? Okay, let's start with the first one. This man is named um, Shiruz Iqbal. Iqbal. <laughs> and he is in London. Um, he tried to claim um, that he, the video that he made inciting terrorism was practice for commanding a dog he didn't have. Yes, I know, you're wondering what? <laughs> um, yes, uh, Shiroz Iqbal in, from East London put a video or videos on Facebook and on the extremist um, site WhatsApp. It's a, the, particularly the group Dark to Light. And he put on pictures, video footage of himself at Central London, the Waterloo Bridge, the Royal Festival Hall, and Hayward's Gallery. And on the video, he said, this is my spot, Aki, which means brothers, Central London, attack, attack. So attack my spot, in other words, in central London. Um, and this uh, 
WhatsApp group, Dark to Light, is very, you know, sadistic. <laughs> what terrorists aren't sadistic, okay. Um, sadistic group, for example, they put on posts celebrating the 18th anniversary of 9-11. They wrote, happy 9-11, it's a sweet 18 party. So when he was arrested, um, <laughs> Shiraz, let's call him Shiraz, when he was arrested, he claimed that when he said attack, attack in his video, he was only practicing commands for a German shepherd dog he did not actually own yet, but he hoped to get one day. That's why he was saying attack, attack, right? So he's making his German shepherd dog attack the German shepherd dog that he doesn't have. Then he tried to make it seem more realistic, uh, believable. He claimed that he had owned a similar dog named Rocky when he lived in Pakistan. And this was hard to believe because um, it's unusual for an Islamic extremist to have dogs because uh, they consider dogs unclean. So Judge Philip Katz said his explanation to the police for making the video was absurd. And uh, this uh, Shiraz also shared videos uh, featuring dead bodies of Islamic State jihadists. And he made other excuses for this, these various videos, you know, um, terrorist, basically terrorist propaganda videos. And um, he, so the judge said, you, you blame your offending on everything from drugs to mental issues to your dog. And at the time that he did this, posted these videos, he had already been serving time, serving a suspended sentence, not like in jail, for putting up anti-Semitic posters outside a synagogue. And part of this sentence um, included his having to attend a de-radicalization program, which obviously hadn't worked yet. Um, Prime, Minister, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said that, quote, really very few, unquote, radical Islamic terrorists can be rehabilitated. Okay, that's uh, terrorist number one, Shiraz. Okay, now this is a very interesting story, terrorist number two, and you might want to question my, my use of the word terrorist, although he did commit a terrorist act, but he was only 10 years old. So a boy named Matthew was taken by his mother and stepfather. His mother uh, is named Samantha Sally, and his stepfather is Musa El Hassani. Um, and they took him, they, they lived in Indiana. <laughs> nice family in Indiana. I actually did a podcast. This was in 200, I mean, 2015 that um, the mother took her family from Indiana into Syria, crossing into ISIS territory via Syria, but I'm sorry, into Syria, they went to Syria and they got into this ISIS territory going through Turkey. So she had been married to this nice man, I presume he was nice because now that's where the child is, that's where Matthew is. Um, but she, uh, they got divorced and she married Musa. And he wanted to um, go to the Middle East 
to uh, fight for terrorists. And so he, uh, he was actually, so, so I, if you look in my earlier podcasts, I mean, presumably around 2015, I guess, or maybe it was when she was um, being sentenced or something. It could, obviously, it could have been after 2015. I, I don't, it seems like it wasn't five years ago. So, but anyhow, in, um, in previous podcasts, I, I remember telling this story about um, the mother um, taking her child, children, to um, to Syria, to the to the Middle East, because of her of the man that she married. Now, why it's in the news now is because he just returned recently to the U.S. So he um, he and he's saying now it's sweet relief to be back home. So he was ten when he appeared in a 2017 uh, video vowing to attack the West after he was taken to Syria. So he was actually, let's see, so he was eight when they brought him to Syria. And, um, and then he was 10 in this video. So I'll tell you more about the video. But now he's come back and he's saying, it's happened and it's done. I was so young, I did not really understand any of it. Um, you can decide whether <laughs> what you think about, about him. Um, so he's been with his father for this past year. and They brought him back, the U.S. military brought him back and then his mother and his, and his siblings in 2018. And he has undergone counseling after having these two years in ISIS captivity. And they say that he's recovering well. Um, it was his stepfather, he says, that it was his stepfather who forced him to take part in the video. He was starting, he, the boy Matthew said, um, he was starting to lose it, like he was mentally unstable, very mentally unstable. Um, so when, when the, in 2015, when his mother took the family to uh, the Middle East, um, Matthew said, it, of that, he said, it was at night. There was a lot of random spots of barbed wire. There wasn't much going through my head except I need to run. And then once they came to Raqqa, the family, uh, his stepfather became an ISIS sniper. <laughs> he was hardcore. Um, and then the boy said, when we were first in Raqqa, we were in the city parts. It was pretty noisy, gunshots normally. Once in a while, a random explosion, like far away though. So we didn't have too much to worry about. Well, I'll stop here in this story and then I will continue uh, during the next segment. So stay tuned. This is a really, really sad story, of course. You know, <laughs> it's bad enough a family gets divorced and then the mother marries someone who, who's a terrorist and who convinces her to take her family. You know, it's not just her, but her four kids to take them to um, the Middle East so that he could become a terrorist. Um, okay, stay Welcome tuned. You're listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show, show like where that. we're talking today about three terrorists who play the blame game. And I'm going to be asking you about, uh, so think about who you think has the chance, best chance of being de-radicalized. The man who I just talked to you about who blamed his imaginary dog, 
for putting these videos on, uh, on the internet. Or this boy, Matthew, who I'm talking about now, who blamed his stepfather for bringing him to the Middle East and for making him do a video uh, where he threatened President Trump. And that's about, that's what I'm up to now, what I'll be telling you about now. And then next, we're going to be hearing about the man who blamed his belly fat for his need to be released early from prison. Okay, so getting back to Matthew. Um, when, so they went to the Middle East in 2015 when he was eight years old. And um, because his stepfather, Musa El Hassani, wanted to be a terrorist. And um, he, his stepfather, you know, who seemed to be a pretty, he was, became a sniper for the terrorists. Um, and he had military, the stepfather had military training. And in early 2017, his mother, Matthew's mother, emailed her sister in the US begging her for money to help the family escape. She apparently, in those two years, she apparently uh, realized that she didn't really like being there. And, um, and she sent, with this um, plea for money, she sent disturbing videos of Matthew. So in one of them, the stepfather forced Matthew to assemble a suicide belt. In another one, he had Matthew role play how he would welcome potential American rescuers, but then kill them by detonating the explosives. And then in another video, he, it showed him taking apart a loaded AK-47, and his stepfather was challenging him to do so in under a minute. Now, when he was asked why he did the, these videos, um, he said that his stepfather was very volatile and that he was, um, that, you know, that he was very angry. He would have these uh, episodes of angry, anger and he was afraid of him. So, um, so in August 2017, Raqqa was in ruins, but the Islamic State was still hoping for victory. And so they forced, the stepfather and the group forced Matthew to deliver a message of defiance in, directed to President Trump. And so he was 10 years old at the time, and this is how he threatened President Trump. He said, my message to Trump, the puppet of the Jews, Allah has promised us victory, and he's promised you defeat. He had been taught, you know, to memorize these lines by ISIS. Um, this battle is not going to end in Raqqa or Mosul. It's going to end in your lands. So get ready for the fighting has just begun. So he's saying he had no choice but to do these videos because of his stepfather's outbursts of anger. Um, meanwhile, his mother um, has, you know, she originally tried to say that she was hoodwinked by her husband, her, you know, his stepfather, um, and that she, he tricked her into going to the Middle East and into doing, you know, to doing propaganda for ISIS and all of that. And she, um, this, this is what she was trying to say. Um, 
this for, for almost 12 months behind bars. You know, once, once they rescued the family, they put her behind bars. And she kept denying that, um, that she wanted to do this. It was just she was being tricked by the man she married, who, who by the way, had been killed by then. That's how they were able to escape. Um, the stepfather was killed in a drone strike. So um, finally, so, but, but what she was saying was a lie because um, actually when they investigated, they found out that the mother had made a series of trips to Hong Kong in the weeks before the family left the US. And what she was doing in Hong Kong was depositing at least $30,000 in cash and gold in safety deposit boxes. And that was to um, finance uh, the terrorism. So after 12 months in jail, she changed her story and she pleaded guilty to financing terrorism as a part of a plea deal. She said it was the only deal they could have offered with the T word, meaning terrorism, that didn't put the guidelines at a lifetime sentence. So, you know, the prosecutors said it was horrifying when they discovered that the mother had helped her son film these videos, um, you know, making a suicide belt and so on. And um, her defense argued that she had been coerced by her husband. But, um, but some family members, um, let me tell you about this. Um, she, she stuck to her story about saying that she was tricked until her, almost a year. And she was saying she supported her husband, quote, in his stupid ventures. But she said she wasn't guilty of supporting him to join ISIS. But then it turned out that she, uh, you know, deposited that money to finance it. So, and, and then um, they talked to members of her family. And... <clears throat> are actually um, members of the husband's, the, the stepfather's family. And he said that Musa had become obsessed with ISIS in the months before the family left the US. And he said, this family member of uh, the stepfather said, he had seen him watching ISIS propaganda, including videos of executions in the family home. So, you know, as typical, <laughs> the family knows a lot more than, um, you know, than they ever told anybody. They didn't warn anybody, even though they knew that he went to the Middle East, like they knew what he was doing there. And then a friend of the mother's also recalled a conversation with her in which the mother told this woman that um, he, the stepfather, her husband, told her that he had been called to join the Holy War. So, I mean, you know, they knew these things. Um, and so, uh, so now, let's see, now she has been given six and a half years in prison for, um, for helping her husband and brother-in-law, also there was a brother-in-law, join ISIS by giving $30,000 in gold and cash to the terror group. You have to pay the terror group <laughs> to get them to let you join. Mm. Okay. Um, she smuggled this, this money, this loot during three trips to Hong Kong in, tw in 2014 and 2015, all the while knowing the funds would ultimately support the terrorists. So that's why she was sentenced to six and a half years in prison. 
So um, the son, you know, as I said, is with his father now, but um, there's kind of a question about, um, you know, he, he's enjoying being with his father. And, oh, he talked about how when the father died, the stepfather, I mean, when the stepfather died during a drone strike, <clears throat> soon after this, uh, the message to President Trump was released, um, the son said, I was happy because I didn't like him, obviously. I don't think I should have been happy because a person died, but I was. We were all crying out of joy. Now think about that. Um, yes, he was a horrible, you know, he was a, the stepfather was a terrorist, terrorist. He made the family go to the Middle East and, can, you know, participate in terror. Um, but still, that is something rather chilling for a child to say. Um, and then, so the mother, uh, eventually, the way they got out, she paid smugglers to get her and her four children out of Syria. She hid Matthew in a barrel at checkpoints. And then they went to a Kurdish detention camp uh, in 2017. And then she was, um, oh yeah, she talked about how, she is trying to say she had no knowledge of her husband's intentions, of course, you know, before they left, she already put the money in to let them join, right? And then she said, once in Raqqa, the, her husband became violent and bought two teenage Yazdi girls as sex slaves and regularly raped them. So I guess at that point, the mother did not feel <laughs> particularly um, beholden to her husband. Um, you know, this is not what she bargained for. Here, you know, she, she did all of this, brought her family there. Um, and, and lo and behold, the husband is raping Yasti teenagers, which was, you know, a very common thing at the time, but she was not expecting that <laughs> coming from Indiana. And... Uh, and paying $30,000, you know, for the privilege of joining ISIS. Well, okay, that's uh, two down, two people blaming uh, others, other things or people other than themselves. And I shouldn't call things, um, living things, I guess, other than themselves. And now we're going to be talking about, um, in the next segment, we're going to be talking about Adele Abdel Barry, who, um, was just released from prison in the U.S. because he was too fat. <laughs> All right, so we'll get we'll talk to him in the next segment. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about three terrorists who play the blame game. So now we're up to terrorist number three, and his name is Adele Abdel Barry. Um, he was just released from a U.S. prison because he's too fat. Now, of course, you know that this is all related to COVID, right? Um, I mean, this is pretty much, uh, this really has gotten and is getting even worse uh, in terms of the prisoners, not just, I'm not just talking about terrorists right now in particular, but prisoners in general who are being released from U.S. prisons uh, allegedly because of COVID, because it's, you know, people are having pity on them because they, um, 
because you know they're in close quarters and so on and particularly so people have been let out some it's, it's varies all over the u.s some people who have been let out have been violent criminals like originally they started with they decided okay we'll let out the non-violent criminals uh, to make more room so that everybody isn't literally on top of each other and so that they'll have less chance of catching covid but um, then, you know, now they're up to, in some prisons, they're up to hardcore prisoners like killers, murderers, uh, rapists, um, pedophiles, you know, not just uh, people who are in there for drug crimes or other petty, you know, misdemeanors or uh, lesser offenses, but really hardcore. And in fact, there was something on the news um, just recently about how a sheriff was refusing to follow a judge's order. A judge ordered uh, some huge number of prisoners to be released. And this sheriff wouldn't follow the orders because he said a lot of those prisoners are murderers. And as I said, rapists and, you know, very hardcore criminals. And he, I mean, and he made the point that the judge is feeling sorry for these criminals um, in terms of the possibility of their getting COVID but the judge isn't thinking about the people, you know, general normal citizens who are now going to be uh, at great risk and ha who have already been. I mean, there have been crimes. The crime rate in the U.S. has increased and for a number of reasons. But one co major contributing factor is because all of these um, criminals have been released and many of them are very violent. So there are all kinds of crimes that are increasing from bank robberies to just regular stealing to, um, uh, you know, rape. I, I mean, th there have been stories about people who were just let out of prison because of COVID and who, who just raped or murdered somebody like in the same day or that same week. I mean, it's really outrageous. It just, um, let me, if you don't, I'm going to talk, say, give an aside for a moment because um, today I just found out about a story that is just so shocking and, and uh, just really, really tells that <laughs> tells us that things need to change. Um, this is a story about a, this is a real story about a real boy, not a terrorist, <laughs> a real boy um, in Los Angeles who was given a uh, an assignment for a class to um, to say whether, as a homework assignment, to write an essay on whether stealing is okay. And he was one of the few kids in class who said that stealing wasn't okay. Other people wrote essays explaining why stealing was okay. I mean, that is just another sign of, um, well, <laughs> of a lot of things of, um, of the a mentality that is coming in, like with the riots and the looting and all of that. And also it speaks to uh, the lack of, you know, the damage that being taught by Zoom is incurring and so on. A lot of things contributed to that, but it's very scary. Anyhow, getting back to Adele Abdel Barry, <laughs> who is now 60 years old, he was Osama bin Laden's right-hand man. And he is now back walking the streets of Britain after he was just released from a U.S. jail or prison. Um, he is a terrorist who plotted blasts, you know, attacks, uh, explosions 
that killed more than 200 people. But he won an early mercy release by complaining that his life was at risk from COVID because of his weight. Now, um, he was quite a, quite a hefty man. Um, he weighed, um, I think he weighed 230 pounds. I will get to that in a minute. Uh, but anyhow, he, I mean, there are pictures of him and yes, he is quite overweight, which is a trick in itself. How do you get to be that fat in prison? <laughs> I mean, okay, probably he was that fat before he came into prison, but how do you stay that fat um, when in prison for quite a, a long time? So uh, he was known as Bin Laden's spokesman in Europe, and he was in prison in New Jersey, and he was um, uh, brought back to the UK. He is a father of six, and his son is also an ISIS jihadi, and um, I, this is someone who I talked about in a previous podcast as well. Remember I talked, well, remember, I, I don't know if you've been listening to all my podcasts, but I do um, urge you always to go back and check some of the previous ones. Um, this was about, his son was a rapper. And um, so I did a story about that, um, I don't know, a while ago. So getting back to um, Ab... Adele Abdelbari, the one who was released, um, he, he was re reunited with his wife, who is 59, and who lives in a million-pound council flat in northwest London. Not quite sure how, uh, how the flat costs a million pounds, or, or, how, or how this woman, unless, well, how, maybe, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe ISIS, or I mean, Al-Qaeda, since he was uh, Osama bin Laden's right-hand man, perhaps some of that money um, trickled down to his wife. Uh, now, this man's return to the UK couldn't be blocked because he had been granted asylum in Britain in 1997. And they can't send him back to Egypt where he was born and raised because he could be at risk of death or torture. Now, he fled Egypt for Britain in 1991. And then in 1998, that was when this attack happened that he was a part of. He wasn't there, but he was in London um, being Osama bin Laden's right-hand man and talking to the media about this attack, claiming responsibility for it, and so on. So in 1998, two Al-Qaeda truck bombs killed 224 people at US embassies in Kenya and Tanzania. Perhaps you remember that. So um, he was fine. So first he was put in jail in Britain, and then he was extradited to the US in 2012, and he got 25 years for his role in this attack. Again, which wasn't actually, he wasn't a suicide bomber, he wasn't there in Africa, but he was um, a part of the attack, planning the attack, and so on. Um, and when he goes back, I mean, you know, <laughs> this just gets more absurd. When he goes back to the UK, he will certainly claim benefits, you know? Um, and uh, I mean, this, the, the system of 
of uh, getting benefits, even though you're a terrorist. Um, and he's going to be having security monitoring. And that will mean that his return will cost UK taxpayers tens of thousands of pounds, you know, for the security, as well as for the benefits. Um, so he, he was, uh, let's see, he was a judge, the same judge that gave him 25 years yet, um, declared that he was too fat for jail. <laughs> uh, so he, he was originally in court in the U.S. in 2014 when he was put into jail, and um, he, he had been given, let's see, so this was, um, he was, so he turned out to be released early. The, his, his attorneys got him released early. He spent 21 years in a New Jersey prison for his role in this 1998, these bombings, Al-Qaeda bombings. Um, and instead of 25, and now he is released somewhat early. And his, um, his, the prosecutor, the, wait, the U.S. District Judge actually said, defendant's obesity and somewhat advanced age, advanced age, he's 60 years old, and it's really after 80 that you are more at risk of COVID. Um, anyhow, is it... <laughs> His obesity and somewhat advanced age make COVID-19 significantly, significantly, more, significantly more risky to him than to the average person. Um, he was freed and then he was sent to uh, an immigration and customs enforcement facility in early December. And then he was handed over to UK officials. Um, so his lawyer wrote, Mr. Barry's continued incarceration now significantly increases his risk of infection, which could wreak disastrous health outcomes. Meanwhile, he had killed 224 people, but hey, we don't want him catching COVID. <laughs> um, oh, yes, it was 230 pounds. Uh, he weighed 230 pounds. Now, again, how that I don't know. Maybe he intimidated people and took their food away. Um, oh, he was in jail for 21 years in New Jersey, and plus he had been in jail previously in the UK. Um, he had been arrested in 1999, and he was extradited to the US in 2012. And um, so his, his immigration lawyer says, after all this time, all Mr. Barry wants is to enjoy a quiet life with his family. Really? <laughs> okay, I will end there. Now, let's go to the question. Um, the question is, which one of these three who blame something else for their crimes, their terrorist acts, uh, which one is most likely to be able to be de-radicalized? The man who blamed his imaginary dog? <laughs> Actually, he might be de-radicalized because um, he hadn't really done anything major. And he, it seems like he may have a psychiatric disorder. Again, not that that excuses 
his being a terrorist, because as I've talked about many times, those two things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, psychiatric disorders um, make some people more vulnerable to becoming terrorists. But it seemed like he really hadn't gone that far into, um, you know, he had only done these videos. Well, he had also written anti-Semitic things, but it seemed like he was in his early phases. So perhaps he could be de-radicalized. The boy, you would think, right, that the boy who was taken to the Middle East at eight and who um, was made, according to him, to uh, recite that video, recite those words to President Trump, threatening President Trump, basically. Um, you know, you would think that because he was so young and now he's back in the US, that he would be the most likely to be able to be de-radicalized. Or you might even say that he was never radicalized in the first place. But I think that there is a lot of question about that because um, there are some warnings, some red flags, how he talked about how he hates his, his stepfather, you know, he, how he was happy when his stepfather was killed. Now, you can certainly understand that. His stepfather brought them over there, you know, made the mother bring them over there and made him make these videos. But there's just, and there are some pictures of him where he seems to really have been hardened, no surprise, um, by being amongst ISIS terrorists for at least for over two years, really. Um, so is he, you know, how much is that going to, those years going to impact his future life? And then the third one, the man who blamed his belly fat and who is now released and back in the UK. Um, he seems perhaps least likely to be de-radicalized because um, he, you know, was hardcore, was Osama bin Laden's right-hand man, and uh, he spent all these years in jail. And typically, uh, that does not make someone feel sorry for what they did. In fact, it typically makes them more hardened and um, more angry at society and more likely to continue t their terrorist uh, acts, or at least, if not blatant acts, then at least be involved in some way. So we will have to see, but these are interesting things to contemplate. And, um, you know, de-radicalization is a very hard thing to do to begin with, so it will be very interesting to follow these stories and see um, what becomes of them. Well, thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.